says there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but notice David grew stronger and stronger and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. And see, this is always the case of a man of faith, which David was, versus the man who was the man of the flesh working against God, which we know as Saul. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, David grew stronger and stronger. The increasing strength of David and increasing weakness of Saul's house did not begin with Saul's death. It began when God first chose David and withdrew his spirit from Saul. David reigned for seven years in Hebron as king of Judea, and his six different wives gave birth to six sons. This shows that David went against God's commandment that Israel's king should not multiply wives to himself. We will see in the coming studies that there was consequences to this disobedience to God's commandment. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins in chapter 3, verse 1 of the book of 2 Samuel. Hey, let's open our Bibles to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, I, I just totally love this book. I don't know what it is, but it's just, you know, seeing the struggle... And all of the things that have happened to David and just the, you know, his life and, and, and times. <laughs> and really, that's where we are at, right? Uh, life and times of fill in, your, fill in your name, the life and times. And, you know, when you think about, you know, all the things that God had promised through his word concerning David. And then for David to be in the midst of it and, and, and you know doing well some days, and then there was these patches where he just seemed to have lost his mind, just doing things and, and involving himself in things that just didn't make sense. And um, there's something about that. And, th- and then getting through on the other side, God getting him through, and then continuing to use David and not you know, brushing aside the frailty and even the sin, but... You know, the Lord continuing to use him. And and I want to encourage you tonight as we read the life of David and we go through these things, not only in David's life, but in these other characters, you know, take heart because God is not, he's not changed. The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He cannot change. He's immutable. He cannot change. Because he, we change because we're not perfect and we're changing from glory to glory. But see, God is already all those things. He's the summation of everything in perfection. And so he doesn't need to change. But I and you, we need to change. And I pray that you do. And, and no doubt in David, as he is going through this, we're going to be see, we're seeing him change. 
and God desiring those around him to change as well. And to me, it's a wonderful story. And it's not just a story, honestly. I hate to use that word because it's overused in our culture. But it, these are real events, but they, they, they just give me hope. And I pray that it does for you as well. No matter what you're in, no matter what season of life you're in, even if you think you're doing well and things are going great, you may not be in a place like that. You may be in a, a valley. You may be in a, a trench. And maybe you feel like you can't get out and you can't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel yet. But as a child of God, you can trust in him. And sometimes he does his best work in those darkest valleys where nobody can see when you're kind of just wondering what's happening. And, and trust God that in the basement of your heart, unbeknownst to everyone else around you, and maybe even unbeknownst to you as well, he is working in the deep recesses of your soul, preparing you, working in you, so that when he brings you through to the other side, you're going to come forth as gold. See, that's what we all want. We want to come forth as gold. We want the baby without the labor pains, <laughs> right? But it just doesn't work that way. Something about the human condition, we, we got to learn. We got to grow. And sometimes it's very painful. So you remember last week, we looked at chapter 2 of Second Samuel, and we saw that David was finally anointed king over Judah alone in the town of Hebron. Hebron is um, a town not too far away from Jerusalem, and, uh, or, or south of Jerusalem. And it used to be called Kirjath Arba, uh, means the, the city of Arba, who was one of the giants in the land in those days, back in, um, in the Pentateuch, or the first five books of Moses. But David is anointed king over that, but the rest of the, the country, the rest of Israel, the other tribes north of, of him... All of them except for Judah, or except for, um, except for Benjamin. All of them were under the authority of Saul. And we know that Saul passes from the scenes with his sons in the battle with the Philistines. And so David, he's anointed king and he, uh, over Hebron, or over Judah in Hebron, excuse me. And you remember that Abner, who was the commander of Saul's army, he takes Ishbosheth, who was the youngest son of Saul, and he makes him king. He makes him king. And really, Abner is the, the power behind the throne. Ishbosheth seems to me like a very, um, not really a leader at all, but he, he's, a, he's a figurehead anyway. But really, Abner was really the power behind the throne, or so he thought. But we find that. Abner puts Ishbosheth in power at Mahanaim, which is east of the Jordan River. And there came a time when uh, Ishbosheth and Abner, they decide to go after Judah. And we see that in verse 12 of chapter 2. They go after them, trying to subjugate them into coming under the authority of Ishbosheth and Abner. And instead of having a big war, remember Abner's men and Joab's men, these these uh, warriors, they decide to have some kind of contest. And it's a small group on each side, and they fight, and whoever wins kind of wins the battle kind of thing. And we saw that with Goliath and the children of Israel, how they had one person come out, and Goliath would come out, and whoever won would be the victor over the whole thing, over the whole entire battle, instead of everybody killing each other, which I think is kind of nice. Just put boxing gloves on them, put them in a ring, and uh, let them go at it. <laughs> so in a sense, that's kind of what they did. But it, nothing really worked out that way. The men end up killing each other. And so 
Israel and the men of Judah, they're in this war. It, it just sparks this war. And it comes to find out, it works out that David's men, although fewer in number, ended up having the mastery over the men of Israel and actually had them on the run. And so what happens in the rest of this chapter is uh, Abner and his men are fleeing now from the men of Judah, ironically. And while they're fleeing, one of Joab's brothers, his name is um, Asahel, He's the youngest of, of the brothers of Zeruiah, David's sister, half-sister. And so Asahel, being the youngest and chasing this great warrior, Abner, he gets the bright idea, I'm going to go after this guy and I'm going to make a name for myself. Maybe that's what he was thinking, we really don't know. And Abner looks behind him and sees Asahel pursuing him and he tells them twice to stop pursuing him. He doesn't want to kill him. Abner or Asahel, I don't want... For your brother to get mad with me, we're both generals of these armies. Just stay away, stay away. Asahel's like, I'm going after you. And so finally, uh, Abner puts a spear through him and kills him. And then um, the men of Israel or the men of Judah continue now with great anger, following after Abner and his men. And then they finally come to a truce. They finally come to a truce. And we pick up an. Verse 3. And what I'd like to do tonight is just to read through it. It's a lengthy chapter. It's 39 verses. Let's just read through it quickly to kind of get the context of it. And then we're going to go back and take a look at it a little bit closer. Okay? So it says, Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. And sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon by Ahinoam, the Jezreelitist. His second, Chiliab by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, the son of Maacah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Jeshur. The fourth, Adonijah, the son of Hagith. The fifth, Shephatiah, the son of Abital. And the sixth, Ithriam by David's wife, Eglah. There's a wonderful name, ladies. How'd you like to have a name like that? Oh, her name is Jessica. Her name is Sarah. Beautiful names. And Egla. Okay. Sounds good, I think. Anyway. So anyway, Egla. These were born to David in Hebron. And now it was so, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner was strengthening, notice, Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ahiah, and so Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? And then Abner became very angry at the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not, and, and have not delivered you into the hand of David. And you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman? May God do so to Abner, and more also, if I do not do for David, as the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba, which is from the very north part of Israel down to the very southern border of Israel. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. Notice the king feared Abner, the real power behind the throne. So, verse 12, Then Abner sent messengers on his behalf to David, saying, Whose is the land? Saying, Also, make your covenant with me, and indeed my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel to you. And David said, Good. 
I'll make a covenant with you, but one thing I require of you, you may not see my face unless you first bring Michal, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. And so David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, saying, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife Michal, whom I betrothed to myself for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. What a great gift that is. You know, no gift registry. I mean, can you imagine going on a gift registry? Uh, just check off the, you know, hundred Philistine foreskins. Send that to my friend. It's kind of nice, isn't it? You guys awake? That was supposed to be, like, really hilarious. But, okay, whatever. Okay, here we go. And Ishbosheth sent, verse 15, and took her from her husband from Paltiel, the son of Laish, and then her husband went along with her to Bahurim, weeping behind her. And so Abner said to him, Go, return. He returned. Poor guy. Now Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying, In time past you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then, do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and the hand of all their enemies. And Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin. And then Abner spoke also went to speak in the hearing of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and the whole house of Benjamin. And so Abner and twenty men with him came to David at Hebron, and David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. And then Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. And so David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. At that moment, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. And when Joab and his troops that were with him had come, they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, he sent him away, and he has gone in peace. And so the key switches to minor here. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why is it that you sent him away? And, and he is already gone. Surely you realize that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you are doing. And when Joab had gone from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, who brought him back from the well of Sirah. But David did not know it. And now when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him privately. And there he stabbed him in the stomach, so that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. And afterward, excuse me, when David heard it, he said, My kingdom and I are guiltless before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and all his father's house. And let there never fall, fail excuse me, to be in the house of Joab, one who has a discharge or is a leper, who leans on a staff or falls by the sword, or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, they killed Abner because he had killed their brother Asahel at Gibeon in the battle. And then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes, gird yourselves with sackcloth, and mourn for Abner. And King David followed the coffin, so they buried Abner in Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king sang a lament over Abner and said this, Should Abner die as a fool dies, your hands were not bound, nor your feet put into fetters. 
As a man falls before wicked men, so you fell. And then all the people wept over him again. And when all the people came to persuade David to eat food while it was still day, David took an oath, saying, God, do so to me, and more also, if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. Now all the people took note of it, and it pleased them, since whatever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's intent to kill Abner, the son of Ner. And then the king said to his servants, Do you not know what a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I am weak today, though anointed king, and these men, the sons of Zeruiah, are too harsh for me. The Lord shall repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. Very interesting, isn't it? It's a, it's a, and what we we're going to see here and what we have read is really the continuing decline of Saul. In fact, uh, I've named the message the decline of Saul's dynasty. And before we get to the end of, or by the time we get to the end of chapter 4, not only are we going to find that Saul and his, all of his sons, have, except for Ishbosheth, is dead, but by, by the end of chapter 4, we're going to see that his commander in chief, his commander of his army, he's going to die. And finally, Ishbosheth, his youngest son, is going to pass from the scene. And at that point, it's over. There's really nothing left. The, all, the, all the knights and the queens and the knights and the bishops, they're all dead. And now it's, there's nothing left but for David to take the kingdom. And I love the fact that in all of this, David never once took his hand personally and went after any of Saul's men. David had such an integrity of heart. And you know what I find so interesting about him is, is he was a great warrior. He was a great warrior. I mean, when he worked for Saul, when he was in his... Uh, ministry, if you will, he was the commander going out. And David fought battle. He was a warrior, but he knew the difference between murder and war. Because there is a difference. When you're, when you're being attacked by a people or you have to go out to war and things happen, casualties, that's just the nature of war. But when he got off the battlefield, David took a, and turned his hat around and became a different man. He wasn't a bloodthirsty man. He was a very gracious and merciful man. And that's what was so unique about him, so different from everybody around him. And what further made him unique is that he was also a musician, which is even more interesting. He was a guitar player. <laughs> and so he had this really interesting kind of personality. And God could use him. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, There was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but notice, David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. And see, this is always the case of a man of faith, which David was, Versus the man who is the man of the flesh working against God, which we know is Saul. When God has a, a, a work in a man's life, God is going to sustain that man. And everybody who's working against him is going to find themselves at cahoots with God. You know, do you really want to be in opposition against God's will? And really, that's what was happening. Abner and Saul and his men, they were all working against God. And now look at them. They're all in the grave and will be in the grave. And David is remain, remaining to stand. And such is the case for the man and the woman or the woman of faith who's walking in faith and walking in the promises of God, walking in the promises that God has said to them, 
Not going to the left hand or to the right, not vacillating, not compromising, but just staying true to Jesus Christ. Are you staying true to Jesus Christ tonight? Is your heart completely bent toward him? I would encourage you if it's not there, it's never too late. You can start tonight. Don't get into that fatalistic kind of mindset where you get stuck in maybe a sin in your life or maybe it's a habitual sin. Maybe it's something that you're struggling with that nobody knows about and you find yourself stuck and then you say, oh, what's the matter? I might as well just give into it. Have you had those moments? As humans, if you haven't, you will. Because such is common to all men. All these things happen to all of us. And due time, just give it time, and you'll find yourself in that place. Hopefully not for long. But such is the man of God, like David was. He was a man of faith. And Saul was a man of the flesh. And God will preserve the man who puts his trust in him. In Isaiah chapter 57, verse 13 In the last part of that verse, it says this, But he who puts his trust in me, God says, shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Think about that. But he who trusts in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Didn't David put his trust in the Lord, even though he went through his hills and valleys? I love that. He was never like always on the mountaintop. You know, nobody can relate to somebody who's always on the mountaintop. They're untouchable, you know, nothing happens to them. They're always having a bright day. You know, the birds never mess on their car. I mean, it's, everything is just always perfect all the time. And they're smiling and everything is just good. But not so with normal people, with most of us. We have these hills and valleys. And David had his valleys. Boy, did he have his valleys. And when he had his heights, oh my goodness, he soared like the eagle. He was up there with the sun practically kissing it. And then there were times where he was just underneath the rock, kissing the dust. And I think you can relate to that. I know I can. But God, but David put his trust in the Lord. And we're going to see, as we go through David's life, we're going to see him, that God is going to give him, just as that verse that we just read, he who trusts in the Lord shall possess the land, speaking of Israel, and shall inherit my holy mountain. David put his trust in the Lord, and the Lord saw fit to give him the entire land, not just Judah, the whole entire land. And he did inherit God's holy mountain, Zion in Jerusalem. He inherited that. God gave it to him. And guess what, saint? That after the rapture of the church and after the seven-year tribulation period and when we have the millennial reign of Christ, guess what? David is going to be resurrected in the new, in the millennial reign. He's going to be resurrected. I love that. God is faithful to his promise. As we look at verses 2 through 5, we're going to see a list of David's sons that were born to him in Hebron. And again, why is it here? It's here to show us, again, the theme of tonight. And that is the, the decline of Saul's dynasty. In order for there to be a decline, there has to be a building up of something else. I love what the Bible says. It says God raises up kings and he sets down kings. Promotion doesn't come from man. It comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from the north, the south, the east, the west. It comes from God. He sets down one and he raises up another. And now that we see this, what we're going to read now, we're going to see David's sons 
coming. And this is a- I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.